Welcome everyone to the Lee Schools TV podcast. I'm Adam Wright. Joining us today is Dwayne Alton, Executive Director of Infrastructure Services. Dwayne, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, Executive Director of Infrastructure Services. What does that mean? Well, I, I realize the title is a little bit uh, interesting because um, we used to have several different IT departments and we merged a, a lot of those together. So really what my area of responsibility is, is everything from um, computer support to network infrastructure, telecommunications infrastructure, um, security and surveillance systems, uh, and a lot of application support, internet access, those kinds of things, uh, yeah. internet security. So yeah, today we wanted to talk to you a lot about kind of technology in general, the way that the district is using it, and especially the way that schools are implementing technology, not only for education purposes, but also, you know, to keep kids safe as well. Mm -hmm. So how do you, what is your role as far as, you know, working with the individual schools in the district as far as technology implementation goes? Well, we work very closely with the schools um, in a variety of ways. Uh, you know, we since we handle everything from actual uh, device support, you know, the Chromebooks that are in the schools uh, to, you know, we order all those, deliver them, all the logistics behind that, technical support behind that, management of those systems, as well as the um, uh, the network infrastructure that they have at the schools, uh, telecommunication infrastructure, phone systems, two-way radio systems. So we work um, very closely with the schools in planning. We do the, uh, we have an annual refresh program where we remove old equipment, bring in new equipment. Um, so all of the logistics behind that, um, we have to plan very closely with the schools. We also have uh, an ongoing technical support role with the schools. So we have uh, engineers uh, that work in our office as well as engineers and technicians that go out into the field, into the schools daily. So all of your, um, all of the repairs that, uh, that the school tech person uh, doesn't handle, our staff will go out and uh, assist them with that. So then, and then of course, now we're getting into, we've, we've just taken the responsibility for security and surveillance technologies, and we are in the process of implementing our new uh, enhanced um, security and surveillance plan right now. So we, we have a lot of things going on, um, and also uh, didn't include all of the AV systems, um, TV studios, all of those things fall within our area of responsibility too. So it sounds like a lot of responsibility. I mean, every school has a lot of different technologies that they use. So how, how big is your department? How many people, uh, how, how big is your staff? Well, so our direct staff within, um, within my department, is about 45 people. And that includes um, your, and, and they're divided into different teams. So we have a team that goes out into the schools and does uh, tech support. Um, our field support technicians go out there. And they, and they handle everything from computer to support to peripherals to, um, to AV systems. We also have a help desk uh, here for remote support, and um, they handle a lot of things like access requests and things like that. We also have uh, systems engineers that work. Um, some are dedicated to the devices in the schools, um, for example, the Chromebooks and, and Windows computers and, and things like that. And then we have other engineers that are uh, focused more on the infrastructure, the network, all the things that are behind the scenes in the, in the wiring closets, the switches, the routers, the wireless access points, um, and uh, then of course we also have a security team that, that manages that. So um, all in all, it's a very, very small but uh, highly skilled team that, that handles, if you think you know the size of our district, we have right now about 117,000 um, client devices, which would be computers, um, tablets that are on our network every day. Wow. It doesn't include printers, um, all the other peripheral devices. So um, now we also have a great team at each of the schools, so we have within 
every school we have at least one tech person. Um, your high schools, your bigger facilities um, may have two. And we work very closely with them uh, to provide tech support, and we uh, provide them training and standards, and they, and they follow along with that. And then when they need additional assistance, they escalate that to our, our team. I'm sure they stay pretty busy. Oh, yeah. It's a <laughs> uh, so talking about the ways that schools are using technology these days. So I just went out to uh, Pine Island Elementary mm -hmm. and I went out to the Sanibel School to do uh, a story just about how they're using technology in the classroom. So at Pine Island, I, they showed me how they're using Safari Montage to do mm -hmm. like these virtual field trips. Yes. Uh, the teacher, you know, they were watching a, a live stream from out in the Pacific Ocean mm -hmm. with this, you know, shark expert. He was in a you know, scuba gear in a shark cage in the Pacific Ocean underwater, and he could communicate with the class live, take questions from them. He was, you know, sharks were swimming by, so it was a really cool experience for the kids. And when I went out to Sanibel School, they were using like Google virtual reality headsets to learn about that. That was kind of ocean themed as well. They were doing a unit on Christopher Columbus because Columbus Day was Monday, I believe. So they were learning about, you know, the dangers that his crew faced in the Pacific Ocean kind of thing to just give them a cool like 360 experience of what it looks like mm -hmm. underwater in the Atlantic Ocean wh where he crossed. So can you can you take us through kind of how schools have changed over the years, especially just, you know, maybe over the past like five years or so? Because obviously, sure. I mean, when I was in school, we didn't have this kind of technology. So can you kind of take us through some new things that have been implemented over the years and, and how schools are using them effectively to help with education? Absolutely. So if, if you look across our, um, we are a very technology-rich district, okay? Uh, so in our elementary schools, we have every, we have shared computing environments and we have lab environments and that. And in our middle schools, we have a one-to-one -one program. And so what this very dense um, technology environment gives us is, you know, the ability to transition inside the classroom as well as reach outside the classroom. So when we look at transitioning inside the classroom, um, you'll see, especially in secondary levels, uh, the majority of content has transitioned from textbooks to digital content. And when this was really envisioned years ago by the legislature, um, their vision was we were gonna switch everybody to eBooks and they were gonna carry around a tablet that had eBooks on it. Um, the reality is that going from a paper book to an eBook doesn't really add much value. And so what we are, what we've been working on for the last few years is to bring in more dynamic and engaging content. So we know that, that people learn different ways. We have, you know, um, visual learners and auditory learners. And, you know, what we want to do is we want to accommodate different learning styles. That was sort of the beginning of the transition um, from paper to digital content. Um, we wanted to increase engagement because uh, when I was in school, I know that I, didn't always enjoy reading through textbooks as much and that it would stick with me more if I saw, for example, a video of something. And we want to not only empower the teacher but empower the student to direct how they learn uh, some of the concepts. So that's within the classroom, okay? And then we wanted to take that a little bit further, right? So we said you have, each student has unique needs. And so the student that may need to learn one way or may need more time on a, on a, on a specific concept or what we call differentiation so that we, that we are providing for each student's individual learning needs. Um, that, that's always been a huge challenge. Um, teachers simply did not have the time to do that. So today we have implemented tools so that if a student takes an assessment, for example, it will identify for the teacher what, what standards or what concepts um, does the student need you know, some additional help with, or maybe the student is far beyond where 
uh, we're testing them and they need enrichment. And it allows us to build and recommend content for the teacher so that they can now say, all right, well, this student is accelerated. We want to make sure that we're providing challenging enough content. Um, this student may need some additional help, so we're providing some remediation and additional practice to hit those concepts. So that differentiation, it, it's not the um, what I would call the, the, the sexy side of technology, right? It's not what people are saying, hey, look at all the cool things we're doing. But in reality, it's the meat of what's happening behind the scenes, making sure that we're getting closer to accommodating every student's needs versus having a single uh, instructional style and uh, single set of materials across uh, every student. Now, once you get beyond that, which is a transformation of how we can uh, help the student by choosing uh, content um, based on data, uh, you also get the uh, collaboration aspect. So when I was in school, we didn't talk to each other. <laughs> don't look, don't look up. We had, because that was cheating, right? Mm -hmm. Today, that, that world has changed. We want the students to learn collaboration because once you leave the, the academic world, collaboration is incredibly important uh, in, in the work environment. It's incredibly important in college. So we need to be able to um, keep the students engaged, get the right material to them, but also when we start talking about project-based learning, we need to collaborate. So we've provided those tools to the students so, and, to the, and to the instructional staff so that they can collaborate on projects, get immediate feedback from teachers versus waiting to turn something in later. A teacher can monitor through the project. Now, then you get to the sexier side of what we're doing, and, th and that's really going to be um, some of the, the really cool stuff with VR. Um, so if you go into any of our schools, you might see, even at the elementary level, you might see students working with um, virtual reality or augmented reality, which combines um, the real world with, uh, with virtual um, reality. You might see engineering classes going on um, or clubs. You might see coding classes, so the students that are learning you know, I, I don't know that they're all looking to be software developers, but they're learning the logic and um, the pieces to building a program uh, in their coding classes. And this starts way down in elementary school. Uh, then you get to even uh, some of our higher-end engineering courses where, we're, uh, where those students are using technology for fabrication. Um, we have you know, some great programs where they do rapid prototyping for products. They work with um, various materials, and that's all technology-driven. They're using CNC machines to, to build things. Uh, and then you get to aerospace, and you have uh, programs where they are learning um, not just sitting on a, on a consumer-grade flight simulator game, but they're actually learning on professional-grade flight simulators and then applying that knowledge using drones. And so that, that world has opened up to especially at the secondary level, to, to try to um, grab those students that have interests in, in various things and um, bring them into the STEM world. Because now you're, the technology is just the mechanism to allow that student to build upon the you know, math and engineering and science skills that they need that build STEM, right? So I think that if you walked into the classroom today uh, and you hadn't seen a school in, say, even 10 years, you'd be amazed at, at what you see going on on a daily basis. Can we talk a little bit about how, you know, because technology is advancing so rapidly, you know, at an exponential pace, is it difficult to keep up with the advancements in technology? 
It is, especially financially, because yeah. um, if you think about it, the um, when we when we talk about when we talked about technology years ago, everyone was focused on computers, right? And even though computer technology changes and um, the software changes at a rapid pace, you know that was that was relatively predictable. We could we could see, we could plan, and um, but now we have really diversified into a ton of different technologies, from you know engineering technologies to drones to you know. And so uh, as we're implementing all these things, okay, some of those things, you know, advance more quickly than others. Mm-hmm. Um, the, other, the other thing that y- you'll notice is that a lot of those technologies are not today built for the rigors of an academic environment. So they have to be replaced on a relatively um, frequent schedule. So th- there is a challenge around that. Um, engineering the designs, you know, I'm fortunate that I have a great engineering team so that when... We are we review technology all the time. Um, we're also, you know, fortunate in that given our size and the level of expertise that we have in house, um, we actually work directly with manufacturers on their designs. So we, um, you know, we we don't dis- discuss it in public what um, the details, but we may be working with um, probably all of the top tier companies you know on their roadmaps for the next few years. And so that gives us a little bit more insight into things that, um, you know, to what's coming, to what those companies are thinking, to what technologies they're thinking are going to go from, um, you know, from the lab to an actual commercially viable product. And by having that insight, we can plan a little bit better. But, of course, you know, the challenge is always resources, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's do you have the money to to adapt as quickly as you want? Do you have the, um, the staff to support that? Uh, because... As much as we'd like to think that the consumerish technologies like drones and all those things, you can drop them in and, you know, hey, people buy them at home. It can't be that hard to maintain. Once you scale that, once you, you know, bring that to the level of we have 90,000 students roughly, you, you know, there, there is a support tail with all those things. So the resources are really the bigger issue than the engineering of the technology for yeah. us. So, so speaking of resources and, and money, you know, we've got the referendum coming up. Mm-hmm. November 6th on the ballot. And I know that some of the money, um, I don't have the exact figures right in front of me, but I know some of the money that would be generated by the, the half cent sales tax would be used to you know, invest in, in more technology for our, our schools. Can you mm-hmm. kind of talk about um, what kind of things might we, sure. we look into if we had that extra revenue? So we have in, whenever you go for a sales tax referendum, of course, we have to put the project list out there. Um, we have to disclose to the public what we want to use that money for. And we have two specific areas in technology um, that were, uh, that we're looking to use the, that funding. One of course is in safety and security. And so a, a good portion of what we're asking the public to, to invest in is, modernizing our safety and security technologies in the schools. And essentially, we, you know, we don't get into a lot of detail about our security plans for obvious reasons, yeah. but what I can say is that we are looking to invest in, you know, uh, more intelligent surveillance technologies. We're looking to invest in um, better access control technologies to uh ensure that only approved people get into specific areas of Something our like campuses. The, like the monitors at the front where people have to show ID to get in the Not building. just that. Yeah, there's a lot there there are a lot of specific technologies behind the scenes that that we're we're looking at that we and I, I 
don't mean to dodge uh, no, some of the okay. specifics about that, but we we um, are very careful about what we discuss about the specific technologies yeah. we use. Makes sense, you know. Um, but yeah, everything from what the the uh, right now, I think the parents are seeing some of the beginning steps of our new design, and that is, if you walk up to today any of our high schools, they have a camera out front, and the and you have to uh, ask for for access and be remotely um, uh, unlocked yeah. to come in. When you, you brought up the you know advanced surveillance systems mm-hmm. can we talk about that a little bit more in depth just the like what can these i know i've talked about it with trey davis before mm-hmm. about like artificial intelligence that some of these surveillance systems have and like what they can do and how they can help keep uh, schools safe right so uh, surveillance systems you know have advanced quite a bit um over the, the last 10 years and um with the with the combination of video analytics and artificial intelligence. So if you take artificial intelligence at its basic level, artificial intelligence is essentially um, machines learning based upon patterns and they can identify things that are unusual, right? So, um, or they can identify specific patterns. So when people say AI or artificial intelligence, a lot of people think this is a thinking computer, which it's not. Terminator. Yeah, Terminator, which um, we're not quite there yet. <laughs> so when we think about artificial intelligence, we think about, hey, what when you're dealing with security, you're mostly wanting to deal with exceptions, right? Um, people staring at a mo- staring at a hundred monitors of video cameras that that doesn't work in real life. And so what we want is we want to invest in systems that can identify potential issues for us. Um, so without getting into the specific technologies, that's when we talk about AI-enhanced um, video uh, systems, as well as access control systems, making things work together uh, within the building. For example, if, um, if somebody goes through a door at an unusual time, it'd be nice to have a video of who that was and send an alert to someone. Yeah. Okay. So a camera could detect something that may be unusual or not fit a regular pattern and, mm-hmm. and, and alert an actual human being say, hey, correct. you might and, want to take a look at this. And see, and the other important piece is AI does not dictate a security response. AI just identifies it and alerts a human. A human always has to be involved in, in the remediation of, of any potential threat, right? So we do spend um, a, a lot of time studying these, these systems and working on how we can implement technologies that, quite frankly, weren't designed for um, K-12 in the K-12 environment. So if you if you look at, there are just a myriad of systems out there that are designed around, um, for example, crowd control or traffic patterns or, um, for example, uh, using spaces efficiently. And the AI is built around, you know, looking at these video streams and saying, hey, we're at a, a stadium and we noticed a bunch of people all of a sudden ran to an area. Does that mean that there's a fight going on? You know? Those technologies were designed for the commercial environment. So we're working with companies to see, can we apply those same analytics and in, in the same machine learning to the educational environment? And again, we, we work closely with companies on product development, so not everything that we talk about is you're going to see uh, tomorrow. It might be a couple of years down the road. Um, but at a minimum, we are enhancing our capabilities dramatically with the existing technology that's out there. And with the sales tax referendum, the, the additional revenue, what that's going to give us is it's going to allow us to accelerate our program. So the district as a whole, we, we identified this is a, is a significant priority, and we need to invest in that area. However, we can't invest fast enough. We, we are limited as to how much we can, we can invest annually to really implement all these new technologies. 
And so what, we, what we're asking the public to do is invest in accelerating it. So we know that right now, at, if I go with our existing capital funding, at a minimum, we're going to have a much better but somewhat basic um, uh, security and technology platform that I'll, it'll take me five years to implement. With that additional revenue, that five years goes to three, and the, the level of sophistication in that system goes from a really nice base level to enhanced um, system where we have some of these other technologies. So it's not that we're not investing as a district with our capital funds, but we're asking the public to say, hey, this is a priority, and we want to um, enhance those capabilities to improve the, the, um, the safety for students. Now, we're also working with our maintenance department, right, because really physical safety is a partnership between technology and so many other pieces, door locking systems, um, how you funnel traffic through a, through a campus or a school. So there are all these pieces that, that come together. So it's, it's really a team between the maintenance department, the safety department, and our department that get together to, you know, and we have an expert in threat assessment in our safety department that helps us design, you know, what, what is it that we want to accomplish, and then we help with the engineering. Now there's a second project on that list um, for, the, for the sales tax, and that is really a modernization of our classroom inter interactive AV systems. So the so sure. first aspect was security. safety, security, mm -hmm. and so this is now the second. It's okay. the second one. And so if you go into our classroom, again, we're very we're technology rich, but if you go into our classrooms, you're going to notice there are smart boards and there are in-ceiling projectors. And, okay, we, we want to take that a little bit further. And, you know, some people come in and say, why don't you have display panels that are interactive and all these? Well, the cost uh, to go from the technology we have right now to the next level is, is dramatically higher, right? But we've also changed our t teaching style over the last few years, right? So in, when we're all in school, you probably have what we call full frontal teaching. Teachers up at the front of the classroom, they're, they're talking to you. Now we're doing collaborative instruction. We have student-led instruction. It's not necessarily where the kids are sitting in a row and looking at a centerpiece up in the front of the room. So that smart board and projection system, you know, it, as it stands right now, um, the value of that has uh, has decreased a little bit for especially at the secondary level. And so let's say we want a little bit more interactivity. Well, students all have devices. How how does the teacher participate in that interactivity when they're walking around a classroom? Right now, their presentation computer is tethered to the front of the room. They also have you know their their desk, but they don't have the they don't have the ability to work walk around the room with the technology and interact with the students the way we would like. So the the next generation of those technologies, you know, bring in wireless AV systems and and the flexibility for the teacher to work in a variety of different ways and interact with the students um, in a variety of different ways than we had in the past. And of course, that's the second thing we're asking the um, the the public to invest in is to uh, help us, you know, make that interactive AV package match the new style of teaching, which if you're a teacher, you're spending a lot of time now as a facilitator jumping in and out of small groups a lot of times, right? Mm -hmm. In elementary, you see it in centers. The, the students rotate around the room in centers, and the teacher participates and goes to make sure everyone's on track. And But, you know, the, the challenge when you go to from the traditional teaching method to a digital teaching method, or at least using a lot of digital tools, is um, what my former partner in crime, Rob Stratton, used to uh, uh, describe as the sweat test, right? He knew when he was standing in front of a class and teaching, he knew whether the kids were getting it or not because he start, if they weren't, he started to sweat a little bit. And 
we've sort of lost that in the digital world because in his world years ago, everybody was doing the same thing. Today in that classroom, the students may all be working on different projects individually, or they might be working on assignments and groups, but it's different content. So how does the teacher know if the student is, if the groups are on track because now you've got 12 different lessons going on in the same classroom instead of one. Yeah. So giving the teacher the ability to more robustly interact with those students, for example, um, using real-time data, we know that these students are all doing various different activities, but what if that, how does that let the teacher know um, what, how each of those uh, groups or students are progressing on their activities in real time so that they can say, hey, I'm needed over here with this group because they're struggling with something, right? So we're trying to provide those technologies, and the way that links to our interactive technologies is that we need, we need the teacher to not be tethered to the front of the room to demonstrate something. We need the teacher to be mobile through the classroom, but then when we need to demonstrate something or we want the students to demonstrate what they're doing because we also like to have the students show off their work and present, we still do need that display in the front. But it's a completely different set of technologies now that we're looking for, and that's what we're looking to bring into the classroom. Can we kind of look at this uh, from, you know, from a macro perspective, mm -hmm. why, why, it's, why it's important to kind of bring schools you know up to date as far as technology not only for educational purposes you know but also the the safety aspect mm -hmm. so you know big picture you know you, <clears throat> you're why it's important to bring them along you know it, everything it spans everything from instruction and learning to safety to um you know career readiness and college readiness um to just um you know trying to normalize a student's experience make it make the student's experience in school more closely match that in their life outside of school. So if we don't keep up with that, if we don't um, continue along that path, we end up, you know, with where we're sort of teaching in in the 1990s and they're out there living in the in the 2010s, right? And so from the, the keeping up with technology at the instructional level is incredibly important because that's where you're going to see a lot of the advancements, okay, mm -hmm. at the instructional level. While we all like to look at the AI and 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 uh, and art and the um, you know VR goggles and all those things, the reality is that the technology that that um, is built within our core instructional systems is probably the most important of all the technology to keep up with uh, advancement. I'll give you an example of why um, why we're continuously looking at new content. So. You know, we went from paper to digital. Now, when we went from paper to digital, that it became more engaging, okay? But we didn't want to stop there. We didn't just want a video of something. We want now interactive activities because those interactive activities are giving us um, some formative data back. We, we can see that the student is getting that concept or it's adaptive. So if one student's not getting that concept, it's going to automatically remediate until they get that concept. Um, but it's not just drill and practice, it's actually reteaching. Um, well, that type of content is completely different than the videos we had just two years prior to that. Um, now, the next thing is we want to aggregate all that data on what's going on with that student throughout the entire process of their learning so that the teachers know, you know, where are they struggling? Is it, is it um, that they, you know, why are they working here if they didn't get this concept back here? Because now they're going to struggle as they move forward. So those technologies, that's everything around you. It's having the right 
software, having the right content, having on the device availability and the, uh, so that the students can be progressing at their own pace. It's about having the infrastructure to support that. And as the, as the content and the activities get richer and richer, that's more network bandwidth. That's more, you know, um, as we add more devices, not only computers on there, we have um, VR goggles and everything else, that's more connections on our Wi-Fi network. So you can see how you have to maintain all of these, you have to maintain and modernize all of these technologies as you move forward, right? Um, it's also why it's so important that we tail off support for older technologies at the same time because they tend to hold you back. Now, if you took it, you know, big picture, all right, we're, we're moving beyond just uh, what they're doing in the classroom every day, and we move to looking at their, you know, their worldview. So looking at my daughters, they're 12 and 13, they, uh, they have a completely different um, view of how technology works in their world. Okay. They've never known a world without it. Right. They, they have all the things that we learned along the way, you know, to them, they don't, the internet comes from the sky. Okay. But that's all they've had to know, right? For many of us that have been, you know, working through this evolution, um, the changes sometimes come as challenges. The adults have a harder time with the adaptation than, than, than the uh, children do. And so not keeping up with that, you know, the students, you know, become less engaged. They don't feel what they're learning is, is relevant. We lose some of them in secondary because, you know, engagement's incredibly important, especially for struggling students. You, you have to think that um, in the 80s, if, a, you know, what happened with those students that didn't find school that interesting, that you're at-risk students and things like that. And we want to have programs that... Um, appeal to people beyond just reading math and science sitting in the classrooms. How do we apply those things? Why is it relevant for your life? And let's face it, a lot of the a lot of the career paths are going to be related to technology. Yeah. So you know, when you look at it as a big picture, you you just you can't afford to fall too far behind. And we used to we used to it almost used to be a joke that hey, we're teaching in you know the '80s and the kids are out here, and people almost used to use that as an excuse. Well. You know, I wasn't a digital native, so I'm going to, you know. Um, the reality is everybody has to keep up, and that means our technology does, our staff has to, our, our um, teachers, because our students are keeping up. Um, and they are really, really, uh, to them, there's no such thing as, technology is not an add-on to life. Technology is just the way you do things. Yeah. Okay. For a lot of us, we still see it as an add-on. So I think that, you know, that, that whole paradigm of what a student's life is today is um, very different than what it used to be, you know. Now, all that being said, it doesn't mean that that uh, you know technology use of technology shouldn't be limited, and that um, that there aren't uh, places for you know old fashioned uh, what we consider old fashioned teaching methods. There certainly are. In fact, um, you know we don't push digital only. We push uh, use the right tool for the job. So you'll see, especially at elementary, we don't use a lot of technology in the lower grades um, to replace things like books and handwriting, and you know because there there are studies out there that that show that a lot of the older techniques um, improve retention better than newer techniques. So we want to blend those together and provide that. At the same time, we don't want to get complacent and say that we're going to just depend upon you know what we were doing two years ago uh, for the next five years. We we have to keep up with that. 
So do you, I mean, you're constantly doing a lot of research, looking into the newest technology that's out there and how it can be useful mm-hmm. and all that. Well, we, we constantly do research. So it, it's, so most of our engineers are reading constantly. I know that I read over a hundred articles a day. Um, everything from the technology out there to what's going on behind the scenes with these companies, because, um, you know, obviously a big part of what I do is, is deal with very, very large contracts with companies. You need to make sure they're stable. So there's all kinds of things that we have to research and we do it in real time. It's constant. We, um, you know, in our, in our team, our administrative team works in similar way to a school would have in PLCs where we're keeping each other updated all the time on, on various types of technologies. We use, you know, resources out there, research firms and, and things like that. But we don't, um, we, we really, when we're looking at what's coming down, the, coming down the line, we don't always say, hey, these new things are really cool. We want to implement them. We, we really want to look for things where you're going to get a return, where that implementing that technology, you're implementing that technology for a reason. And um, I think that some, uh, a lot of school districts that, that have had major issues with their technology implementations have gotten caught up in, the, in trends and the cool factor of things without really thinking, how does this really apply to, you know, how is this going to help our, our teachers uh, and our students with instruction? How does it help us operationally with efficiency and that kind of thing? So I think, you, you know, we, we're not just looking at new things because they're new things. We're looking at what are the new technologies that could that solve pain points? Um, how do we address teacher pain points in the classroom? I mean, that's um, and a lot, again, a lot of it's not the cool technology. A lot of it is the what we call the sausage factory. It goes on behind the scenes. We, nobody should ever see how it works. Um, and I'll give you an example. If you were a teacher in Lee County five years ago, when using technology, you had to bring out this two-page sheet of paper that had here are the links to all the different software applications we have. This one, you can use your district uh, credentials to log in. This one has a separate application account. Um, and you had to refer to that all the time. You, if When you got students, you had to add them into your roster in 12 different applications. Okay. So today, we do rostering with all of our district applications. You don't, a teacher's not paid to put students into a piece of software. We do that for them. Um, we have single sign-on to almost all of our uh, instructional and, and our core business applications now. So you don't have to have different usernames and passwords. You don't even have to know where to go. In fact, for a teacher, if you log in and you go, for example, um, from you know, from ClassLink, from, from Launchpad, which is our single sign-on portal, and you click on Safari Montage to go in there, you, it doesn't ask you for credentials to go from one application to another. As a teacher, if I go in and create an assignment in Safari Montage and I push it over to Google Classroom, it knows who I am, it knows who the students are, automatically pushes that. All that stuff that happens behind the scenes, that was a, a tremendous amount of work. And that work was not something that we just said, hey, is there a product that does this? Because it didn't, it exists. We went out and we worked with um, an organization called IMS Global who sets interoperability standards. All of that work that the the sausage factory that happened behind the scenes to make all those applications talk to each other, um, that is the, that's part of the magic that we work on every day. Um, teachers don't necessarily see it, but we hope they feel it. Yeah. Um, we hope that what we're doing is reducing pain points for them. And so when we talk about new technologies, it's not just about new technologies, it's about enhancing standards and building um, the interoperability between products because we're, there's never going to be a day uh, where we have one piece of software that does everything that we want to do. Um, what our goal, though, is is to make it feel like it's all one connected piece of software, even though you might be using 
applications and content from 30 different people. So that is a lot of the work that we do when we're talking about advancing technology. It's the stuff you never, ever see. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they appreciate everything being a lot more streamlined and easier to, to use and everything. 100 articles a day, really? Mm-hmm. You must be a fast reader. I have a news aggregator that does okay. it for me. <laughs> right. So I, uh, it collects the it collects articles in various um uh, various topics and puts it together for me so that I can burn through it pretty quickly. Nice. Uh, so are you aware of any, just kind of shifting gears a little bit, for anybody, any parents out there maybe you know listening who might want to encourage their kids to you know learn more about technology, not only in the classroom but outside, are you, are you aware of any kind of tech-related extracurricular activities that students can get involved with? I know that oh, you know, sure. some schools have like ro- robotics clubs and things like that, but is there anything else that you could maybe suggest to some parents out there for their kids if they're... Oh, absolutely. Um, Start with your school uh, because um, a lot of our schools, probably most of our schools, have various uh, STEM or technology-related clubs or after-school activities, everything from coding to um, to robotics, like you mentioned, to aviation to, you know, um, a a variety of different programs. And that's nice because... In a lot of cases, if you're if the students in elementary school, they just stay after school and they can do it, and it's right there at the campus. Um, for middle schools, um, you know, sometimes that's before school, which is convenient for parents because, you know, the uh, middle schools start later, so uh, you can get access to a lot of those things. Um, also, you know, there are some great programs out there, uh, especially for students that really want to learn about computer technology and computer science. There's a program that Google offers; it's absolutely free, called CS First for computer science first. And um, all of that, all of the activities can be done right on the Chromebook that's assigned to your students. So, um, But there are also a lot of community organizations that are now starting to uh, bring on these activities. I know, um, and for example, in the city of Cape Coral, some of their parks and rec departments have programs in the afternoons for that. Some of them use, you know, have the students bring their own devices for our secondary students, and some provide the, you know, do it in a computer lab type environment. Um, so one of the things you can, you can do is it, a lot of times you go to stores and you'll see these little, um, you know, these little kind of magazines that look like advertising flyers. It'll be, you know, something like Cape Life or, you know, something local. It's amazing how many of those things you can find in there and we all just walk past it. Um, and I know that, and and I live in Cape Coral, so I know that there are actually quite a few of those things going on there. Um, presumably you'll, you'll be able to find some of those in other areas of the county as well. All right. Very cool. All right, Dwayne, um, anything else you want to talk about? Uh, no, I just, you know, I appreciate the opportunity and, um, hopefully they, you know, we, we see a lot of the parents and students really getting engaged in, um, in technology and I'm not suggesting everybody needs to be a programmer. Sure. Um, but I think that, uh, if the parents are engaged in learning the technology so that they not only can help, but also, um, provide guidance for their, their children. So I, I think if I were to say one other message out there is that um, parents really do need to be engaged with how their students or how their children are using technology. And it is very difficult um, to do today. Mm-hmm. The students are able to, you know, communicate with people you don't know who they are. They, you know, we, we want students to be safe. So if you go to our website, uh, if you go, um, we do have uh, some tips on there. So we have a parent internet safety guide, and it takes it takes the parents to some um, really good sites that give them idea on how to how to um, guide their children as they're working, you know, moving through the era of social media and and things that that have some challenges and risks associated with it. And I think you know I do see a lot of the students that um, that 
use social media. Um, I know in our household, we've been sort of um, conservative with social media, even though my daughters are constantly saying, well, look what you do for a living. And I'm like, <laughs> exactly. That's why yeah. I'm, you know. So I, I do uh, hope that parents take advantage of those resources because I think it's, a, um, it's really important to make sure that you're guiding them through um, how to use those technologies just like you would any other social interaction. So. Good advice. All right. Dwayne Alton, Executive Director of Infrastructure Services. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank All you. Right. Remember, you can check out the Lee Schools TV podcast on Facebook, YouTube. We're also on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud as well. Thank you for watching and listening. We'll see you next time.